Hey guys, just wanted to put in a little disclaimer before the start of this episode. So you'll be able to tell, but I started recording this episode, gosh, last week, maybe a week and a half ago now, and wasn't able to finish it before I left on my trip. So you'll hear me talking about how I'm excited to go to Florida and how pumped I am to go visit Hulk Hogan's bar. Um, That happened. That's already happened by now. And it was great. I'm going to talk about it on my next episode. Might do it on a Hogan Knows Best episode, but super excited to talk about that. But yeah, you'll notice that a lot of the things I'm talking about have already happened. So Oh, I was also having a little bit of microphone issues. My best friend Jess got me this awesome microphone and I just hadn't figured out my flow with it yet or the right settings I should use, but I think I've figured it out now, so you might notice that. But other than that, it was a great episode. This season is really kicking ass and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Previously on The Surreal. Oh, I know who this is. So crazy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Adrian. Hi, Marcus. Hello. Hello. I'm supposed to have my own room. Child doll oh, is in my bedroom. I might be an angry dwarf. The woman doesn't mind being naked. You got nude sushi being served. I'm going first. I'm like in heaven right now. Bert ended up getting trashed. Mini-Me is in the damn corner. He. I'm thinking I am in a nut house. Welcome back to the Surreality Podcast, where we're recapping celebrity shows from the very beginning. You know what? I'm not even going to edit that out because that is a perfect example of how trying to record has been lately. So let's just keep that right in here. I apologize that I've just been releasing episodes basically as I see fit. That's not my intention. I really want to get back on a normal schedule really soon here, but I just haven't been able to. (laughs) But I think pretty soon here I'll be able to get back into my old routine where I was able to get out a full episode every week. And I think I was doing hour-long episodes at that point. So let's see what's going on. Uh, Over Christmas, I surprised my husband with a trip to Clearwater, Florida, where we are going later this week. And we're both so fucking excited. The forecast right now is saying mostly cloudy, but 70s. And here in Minnesota, it's below freezing. So that'll be really dope. And we're going to hit up Hogan's Hangout, which is Hulk Hogan's bar. And we'll see. I'd like to get one more Hogan Knows Best episode in before we leave this weekend, but we'll see. (laughs) I'll definitely be posting about the trip on my Instagram, SurrealityPod, so check that out there. And please send me all of the sunny good vibes. Also, this episode is brought to you by a brand new microphone, which my best friend Jess gave me for Christmas. It's amazing. I love it. This is the first time I've recorded with it, and it just seems so much easier to use. Thank you so much, Jess. Shout out to her. We'll get her on the pod again soon. I think she just might have gotten sick of me bitching the whole time we'd record about how much I hated my microphone. (laughs) But other than that, I really don't think I have any updates or anything for you guys. I hope you're all having a good start of the new year here. And let's get into episode two of the Surreal Life season four. The kids are all wrong, is what it's called. We start out at about 730 in the morning. 
It looks like the cast is being treated to a catered breakfast, which this is something I have very unnecessary strong feelings on. I think in this setting and kind of like in the challenge in this day and age, I think cast members in a reality show should be required to make their own food. And I think cleaning needs to be their responsibility too. I get if it's like once in a while, like for the final dinner, if they get a catered meal. But I think on all reality shows, the noose, real life, the challenge, all that, I think the food needs to be their responsibility because I think it adds an extra layer of drama to the household. Just like in Big Brother, that's all on the cast to clean, cook, and it does stir up drama. And when people don't clean up after themselves, it really pisses other people off. So that's all. That's my rant. China's taking a dip in the pool and Adrian's smoking a cigarette and her and Chris have a quick little conversation about how last night was very eventful. Vern got wasted off of his ass and they decide that they need to confront him about it once he gets out to breakfast. Vern rolls out on his scooter, gets up to the table, and Chris tells him like, yeah, man, uh... We didn't know if you were going to get up this morning. Like, with how much you were wasted last night, we were worried about him. And Vern's like, yeah, yeah, I was drunk, but but I woke up, though. And Chris is like, no, you woke up overnight. You didn't just wake up this morning. You woke up last night, got on your scooter, rolled into the gym, and pissed in the corner. And Vern just goes, oh, sweet. Jane didn't know about any of this happening. Um, While Chris is giving the whole play-by-play, she's just like, What? No, he didn't. Oh, my God. And Vern's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I'm just hearing rumors. I don't know what actually happened. But uh, everyone just laughs it off. And then we get today's copy of The Surreal Times. Today we get the paper. Yay, we got our paper. And I saw a bunch of children's toys. And I was thrilled. I knew we were going to be watching the little cute babies. Surreal Life Daycare opens its doors for charity. Today, they'll be babysitting a bunch of preschoolers. Of course, it's all for a good cause. The Surreal Life Gang has a chance to earn up to $1,000 for the charity of their choice. We are going to babysit 10 kids. Each kid, we got $100 for. Every child will come to the house with a phone number attached to them. If at any time the child asks to go home, the cast will call the number and the kid will be picked up. So the cast are going to be responsible for watching a bundle of preschool age kids. And for every kid that they lose by saying they want to go home, the amount of money they earn to go to charity goes down. We don't get any reactions really from the cast about how they're feeling about this other than Adrian, who is very excited, and Vern is not excited at all. The Surreal Times arrives this morning and I hate it. Kids, when they're that young, under seven or whatever, if they haven't met a little person, sometimes they get scared and that's the last thing that I want to do. I don't want to scare them. That is so sad. I feel really bad for Vern here. Not only is he worried about scaring all of these children just by his appearance, but also they're sitting at the kitchen table eating and they haven't supplied Vern with a 
I don't know, booster chair, a special chair for him. So his nose is basically to the side of the table here. Who knows? Maybe China's sitting in his booster chair for all we fucking know. And also the other sad thing is, well, Vern puts ketchup on his eggs, which is disgusting. But also the attempt to cover the Mountain Dew logo on Vern's pop can is also really pathetic. It's just like through the words, like in the space between Mountain and Dew. So you can still see the full name. Anyway... We go to the front door and our first kid has arrived. He looks to be about five-ish years old, four or five. China and Marcus go to greet this kid at the door and China's in another classic pink velour jumpsuit, but it's a crop version. So she's got her full midriff showing, perfect for children. They say hello to the kid whose name is William and he's wearing a sign that has his name on it around his neck and the sign also says, I have an imaginary friend named Max. How original. Next up, a pair of identical twin girls named Sarah and Hannah arrive at the door. You guys, I have identical nephews and I still to the day cannot tell them apart. It's so fucking embarrassing. It was legit my New Year's resolution to try to tell them apart like three years ago, and I still can't. My in-laws dress them alike, so that doesn't help, but they literally look and sound exactly the same, and they'll tell you that they don't, because they can obviously tell them apart like any time, but when they're moving around and being all crazy, it's like that's the same fucking kid. So one by one, these kids get dropped off at the door and these are actors' children or something like aspiring child actors or children of actors. They have to be, but they're cute kids. Overall, they're pretty cute. Um, There's the twins. There's a sibling duo with an older sister named Sarah and then a baby brother named Sage who are really adorable. And there's a kid named Nicholas who I am positive this kid has been in something. His picture they show when they're like marking off how many kids they have, it's a full-on headshot. 100%. So all 10 kids are there now and the cast is extremely overwhelmed and it's in this moment that I realize none of this cast have kids or went on to have kids. Isn't that interesting? But no one's really feeling this. Adrian's the one giving it her all, which... It comes off a little performative, and Chris talks about it in a bit here, but she's, like, carrying five kids at a time, wiping snot. Brat and Jane are apparently in the shower still, like, in the first hour that these kids are there. Marcus is giving it the old college try, he's giving all of his effort, and China just straight up tells us, like, this is not fun. I cannot do this for four hours. She does not know how to talk to these kids like they're kids. She's just talking to them like she'd talk to any adults. <laughs> and some of the kids are afraid of Vern, which is exactly what he was worried about. When the little girl Sarah sees Vern, she starts crying in the kitchen. Vern gives it another shot to meet these kids and he wheels out into the living room and is like, oh, I haven't gotten a chance to meet everyone. And Nicholas, <laughs> our buddy Nicholas, the six-year-old who's probably attending Hollywood parties like Drew Barrymore and the likes have done. When he sees Vern, he looks back at his crew of four or five-year-old friends and is just like, oh, he didn't grow. Yeah, he, he never grew. Then he marches up toe-to-toe -to -toe with Vern and just goes, I thought you were mini-me at first. 
Varen's like, you know, actually I am. I am Mini-Me. And Nicholas just gives him the up and down and just goes, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Meanwhile, this posse of toddlers just doesn't know what to do in this situation. They don't know what's happening. They're just like, uh, one kid's trying to make conversation about something completely different. Probably fucking unicorns or some shit. Vern tells us how it's a huge bummer how so many kids aren't around little people, so they don't know exactly how to react, which is true. But these, uh, these kids seem okay with them so far. Jane emerges from the bathroom, ready to tag in with these kids, and she's in like a leather skirt, a button-up white, stark white button-up top, and a tie and sunglasses on. I don't know what the fuck she thinks she's up to, but babysitting ain't it. However, I do applaud the way she approached the kids. There's a group of kids sitting at a round table, and they look like they're playing poker or something. They're just playing like a made-up game, I'm sure, but it looks like they're gambling with cookies. And Jane walks up and goes, are you guys gambling? That's so great. Can I get you some cocktails? (laughs) And the kids are like, yeah. Jane then points out to us, the viewers, how it's just such a surreal and odd situation that these people have left their kids with a bunch of strangers that they've never met to watch them for four hours, or however long it's supposed to be. And this is something I've always thought, too. They've done a few of these kid challenges on these, you know, celebrity shows, Rock of Love bus. They do the pool one. Um, I know Charm School Season 3. They do some sort of, like, exercise challenge with these kids where they have to figure out how many calories they've burned in an hour. I don't know. We'll get to it. But it is just a very bold move for parents to drop their kids off, sign release forms for these silly reality shows. Then DeBrat comes out to join in on all the fun, and she spots a kid named Will who's crying. He's sitting on the floor crying. She goes up to him and is like, hey, buddy, what's going on? And he keeps saying, oompa, oompa which I'm assuming is his grandfather, but he's crying. He's snotting all over the place and coughing. This kid probably has COVID. He also looks like he's in a Minnesota Vikings outfit of some sort, but I don't see any licensing on it. Um, But he's coughing in Brat's face. She's not holding back on how grossed out she is. It is disgusting. I mean, this is what kids do. But she just picks him up, of course, you know, arm's length away, like people who don't know how to hold kids do, and just brings him over, sits him on the couch, and leaves. Just goes back to her room. (laughs) She's clocked out. Two minutes was all the brat could handle. So Will is just left sitting on the couch, and eventually Adrian, like, does a fucking somersault over the couch and is like, hey, dude, what do you want to do? Let's hang out. And, you know, he's still saying he wants to go home. So it becomes this huge fiasco of finding this kid's phone number of his oompa, mom, whatever to be picked up. Adrian starts running around the house, practically flipping tables. She's looking in places where I doubt the kids have even been in the house. She's like aimlessly walking around empty rooms looking for this piece of paper with the phone number on it. Jane is like, I'm pretty sure that they're supposed to have the phone number taped on them. 
Half the cast is just hanging out in the kitchen and Adrian hops over a counter and is just looking around the room up at the ceiling like, I'm looking for it. I'm looking. I can't find it. Everything's always Adrian's fault. And would you know it, Chris ends up finding the number literally right next to where Will was sitting. The kid hasn't moved. Will has not moved ever since DeBrat picked him up and placed him on the couch. Brat and Chris kind of have a moment where they're like, dude, Adrienne is being so extra. There is no reason she has to be putting herself out like this. Like, calm the fuck down. The cast has taken all of the sofas in the living room and turned it into one giant, like, pit, if you will. And the kids are just running around this pit, like, jumping on pillows and rolling around. It's a great idea until... (laughs) Our boy Nicholas, child actor to the stars, apparently hits his face doing this, and he's in immediate hysterics. He keeps screaming at the top of his lungs, I want my mommy! I hit my mouth! I want my mommy! Brat is staring at him like he's growing another arm out of his forehead. And every time one of the adults tries to approach him to comfort him, he screams in their face, I want my mommy! This kid is putting on quite the show. It would not surprise me if he was doing like acting exercises on the way over to the house. You know, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. (laughs) Adrian picks up Nicholas and brings him into the phone room to call his mom. And you would think this scene was out of Forrest Gump when... (laughs) When Forrest is holding Bubba, running through the exploding forest, when just shit's blowing up on fire behind him, that's what this scene is with Adrian and Nicholas. She's holding him in front, and he's got his head back, his arms are all limp, and he's crying. It's it's very dramatic. Nicholas gets picked up. He's fine. There's 45 minutes left for the crew to watch these kids, and there's six kids left And Adrian walks into the living room and announces to everyone, look, you guys, we could have given the charity $1,000 and we've already lost four kids. So now we can only give them 600. Come on, guys. We need to get it together. Apparently, some of the kids have gotten into Jane's makeup at one point and she sees this as an opportunity. So she starts painting all the kids' faces with her makeup. She's making them look like cats and stuff. It's very cute. I would be really grossed out and pissed if some stranger put their makeup on my kid, but that's just me. And the kids that are left have found entertainment in just screaming in Vern's face. They're just running up to him like three, four kids at a time and just screaming at him. He plays along for a bit, but it gets to be a little too much for him. And at one point, it looked like the kids were trying to push his wheelchair. And we get some bits from the cast about how, you know, even something like this is different for Vern. Like, kids react to him differently. Differently. And it's easier for Vern to be, like, outnumbered by these kids. One girl who seems to be the oldest of the bunch is throwing a huge inflatable ball at him. And every time it hits him, it looks like he's fully gonna knock over. Meanwhile, Adrian's still at a 12 out of 10, running around in her flared jeans, thong hanging out, and we get a very interesting commentary from Chris. Adrian exhausted herself. She can be way over the top and way too much. But she has a great deal of wisdom. Uh, she's going to have a lot to offer when she finally matures into being a woman. 
With that being said, ding, 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 time is up. Parents of the year, come get your fucking kids. One by one, the parents come pick them up and the cast walk into the living room and assess the damage from the last couple hours and they realize, oh, now we get to clean all this shit up. Everyone starts to clean up except for Vern. Brat's telling us how the house just is a fucking mess, that there's peanut butter on the pool table, chocolate in the carpet, makeup smears everywhere. And it's annoying her how Vern just is sitting there not doing anything. He's just watching everyone else clean up. And I think she suggests that he didn't really do a ton during the like time when the kids were there too, which I believe, I mean, it's not like he can do everything everyone else can. Like when it comes to running around with kids, I don't think his body works that way. But he doesn't do shit while he cleans up. Jane tries to figure out a way for him to drive the trash bags out on his wheelchair and that doesn't work so eventually he just wheels off and goes and lays in bed night night they finish cleaning up the house looks spotless and everyone is ready to hit the hay jane walks into the phone room to say goodnight to china and asks if she's coming to bed soon and china says oh yeah yeah i'm coming to bed as soon as i get some skittles and make some phone calls (laughs) what It's about one in the morning when everyone goes to bed. And then we cut to almost four in the morning, like 347 or something. And China's running around the house doing kicks, doing flips. She's chanting at the cast members who are trying to sleep. She's just in the dark room. She's sharing a room with Debrat and Jane. And she's like clapping, being like, come on, guys, Debrat, get up. Like, I'm bored. And like running over the beds and throwing a ball around. It's fucking insanity. We don't see anyone actively trying to tell her to shut the fuck up, but you know they were all thinking it, and I'm sure someone had to have. And she runs out in the living room and she's like jumping couch to couch, jumping up on the pool table. We see her dancing around the bar. We don't see her actively drinking, but I mean, I, I'm assuming she was drinking. And China tells us, like, I usually don't go to bed till seven in the morning. And that's how it's always been for me. Like, I'm just going to stay up. I'm going to practice my martial arts and I'm going to be myself. And that's where the episode ends. We get a couple comments from Chris being like, oh, this is so surreal and it's just going to keep getting surreal. So stick around. And that's where the episode ends. On the next episode of The Surreal Life Season 4, the cast are going ranching. They're going to ride horses. They're going to brand some cows, which sends Jane into hysterics. And I'm pretty positive that's the episode where China gets drunk and kind of, you know, lays all of her cards on the table in terms of her past and letting everyone know about her mental health issues. So I think it's going to end on kind of a dark note. We shall see. For now, I'm going to get into Christopher Knight's update. So Chris has stayed a pretty busy guy. Like, I like to describe it as perfectly busy. Like, he's had occasional appearances in movies and TV shows ever since he was in the Brady Bunch, but just enough. He had made it really big in, like, the computer world, business techie world, something I know nothing about. But apparently he kicked ass as a computer tech salesman in his early 30s. Apparently he had a very brief wrestling stint. He battled against Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge family, which is perfect. Um, He battled against him and lost in 1994. By the time Surreal Life season four started to film, he had already been married twice. 
And pretty much immediately after filming ended for Surreal Life, I hope everyone else remembers this. He was in the Click 5 music video for Just the Girl. He played the teacher. And I guess he was in another music video for them for the song Catch Your Wave, where he played a hotel manager. He had an appearance on that 70s show. He, of course, showed up in like Celebrity Family Feud and The Weakest Link, those kind of shows. I guess at one point, the Brady Bunch all came together and reunited for some HGTV show, which I've never seen. And I'm not going to give spoilers just in case anyone's watching it still, but he was on a recent season of The Masked Singer. And of course, Chris went on to be on My Fair Brady with Adrian immediately after this episode, or I'm sorry, this season wrapped. And it's interesting. We'll get into it when that episode happens, but that show I'm pretty sure was Adrian's idea. But they started doing that right after filming, and of course they end up getting married. The show went on for three seasons. The last season, the third, was called My Fair Brady Maybe Baby, which, spoiler alert, they never end up having a baby. God, I am very interested to see what that show is like. Because I feel like Chris very apprehensively started his relationship with Adrian. Like, I feel like she really pushed him into it. And he's just was like, you know, like, I'll, I guess I'll give it a shot. You know, she's hot. She's young. Why not give it a try? And I think it'll be really obvious watching My Fair Brady in hindsight that they should have never gotten married in the first place. You know, hot take. Um, we'll see. I am at this moment, very tempted to start right into My Fair Brady after the season's over. I know I've talked about leaping around with these shows. Um, I really want to finish Surreal Life so we can get into all these spinoffs. But part of me really wants to continue the journey of Adrian and Chris right away. Also, I know I'm going to bite my tongue here, but I remember season five of Surreal Life, the next one, being my least favorite out of all of them. Um, I People are probably going to think I'm crazy for saying that because that's the season with Janice Dickinson, Bronson Pinchot, Omarosa, of course, Jose Canseco. But I'll probably end up loving it once I rewatch it here. And I love season six. That's the season with Alexis Arquette. But back to Chris. Um, other than that, you know, he's keeping busy, like I said. He just produced a movie called True Love, which is about a a girl named Callie True Love, who is a 16-year-old girl with Williams Syndrome, but I guess it's a documentary about her, so that's super cool. He also has his own brand of home decor, like furniture and shit that's sold through like Overstock and some other places. But it looks pretty big. I'm guessing he's very successful with it. You can look at that on Instagram at Christopher Knight Brands. And he also has a podcast. Who would have known? He has a podcast with um, Barry Williams, who played Greg Brady on The Brady Bunch. And it's a recap podcast. Him and Barry recap all the episodes of The Brady Bunch. How fucking cool is that? That is a formula I will never get sick of. I'm surprised I haven't listened to like Lauren Conrad and Stevens. I'm sorry, that wasn't Lauren. Jesus. Uh, Kristen and Stevens recap podcast of Laguna Beach. Uh, 
So I think that that's really cool. And I think that's really smart. If anyone wants to check out the Brady Bunch podcast, it's The Real Brady Bros. And I'm checking it out on Spotify. It looks free. I'm sure there's ads in there, but I'm probably going to listen. And surprisingly, he is not on Cameo. So that's all I've got for you guys this week. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry again that episodes have been not being posted regularly and late. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I'm doing everything I can to get these out to you. I love doing it. Just not finding, there's not enough hours in a day. You know how it is. But I will check in with you guys next week with another episode of The Surreal Life. I'm going to be on Resting Bitch Face podcast with Justine and Julie coming up next week, I believe. We're recording tonight, so I'm assuming they're releasing it either late this week or early next week. And I definitely want to crank out another Hogan Knows Best episode soon. So stay tuned, guys. You can find me on Instagram at SurrealityPod, and you can always send hate mail to SurrealityPod at gmail.com.